Thank you. 
Thank you very much, and welcome to the Jazz Focus. Welcome to WETF, the Jazz Station, South Bend, Indiana. My name is John Clark, and happy to be back with you this week. And we are going to be uh, listening to some music recorded in 1929, 1930, 31, thereabouts, by the great Coleman Hawkins, tenor saxophone player. He is generally considered to be the first musician, jazz musician anyway, to kind of uh, free the saxophone from its novelty uh, kind of circus basis. You know, before he was recording his great solos starting about 1925, 26, thereabouts, uh, the saxophone was really just a kind of a comic instrument. It was a, a stereotypical jazz instrument, the way the electric guitar became an early rock and roll, and anybody uh, with ten fingers would, would grab an instrument and learn how to play enough to make some noise and then be considered a, a, a rock guitarist. And in the same way, uh, people would buy saxophones in the 1920s and uh, learn how to play them and become their own uh, biggest hit at parties and so forth. But Coleman Hawkins really rescued the instrument from a, a pretty miserable fate. Uh, he was playing with the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra in the well, throughout the 1920s, really. He started with him full-time at about 1923, and he stayed with him for a little more than 10 years, which was a remarkable run uh, in a band at that time. Coleman Hawkins was born in... Uh, I think it was St. Joseph, Missouri in 1905, and uh, very early on he gravitated to Kansas City. He was playing saxophone by the time he was an early teen and was very precocious. He had learned piano and cello before that. He'd had some lessons in music theory and uh, presumably arranging and things like that. He was really one of the best educated uh, musicians from a te technical standpoint uh, uh, among African-American jazz musicians of the 1920s, and uh, he learned how to play saxophone. We don't know how. He may have been self-taught. There were really not many teachers of saxophone in the 1910s. It was still a relatively new instrument, um, but he learned uh, certainly to, to have a superb technique and uh, a beautiful sound as it developed through the 1920s. And we're going to be capturing him at a time in 1929-30, thereabouts, where he was really beginning to blossom as a great jazz soloist, nearly a very good one, which he headed the 1920s. As I said, he had been playing uh, throughout that whole period. He was greatly influenced by Louis Armstrong when he came east to join the Henderson Band for about a year in the uh, fall of 1924, and uh, he picked up uh, some some of the phrasing that Armstrong had brought with him from uh, New Orleans via Chicago, and uh, I think he later admitted that as well. Um, he coupled his great technique on saxophone and his knowledge of music theory and chord structure to really develop the idea of improvisation. He was, uh, to some degree, a melodic improviser, although he really was among the first uh, musicians of, of, of any instrument, even piano, to, to stretch beyond the idea of embellishing a melody or creating a melody to really improvising on the chord structure of a song. And we heard a very good example of that on the second tune that we started out our program with. We began with a tune called Hello Lola, which was a, a composition by the band leader, I believe, Red McKenzie. Red McKenzie was a, a supposedly a jockey, I don't know if that's really true or not, uh, who became a beer salesman and a, a recording entrepreneur, in, mostly in Chicago in the 1920s, although he made it to New York by the end of the 1920s. He was a pretty good jazz singer. We didn't hear an example of his singing on those two sides, but we will coming up shortly. He also played an instrument, um, somewhat of his own device, it was a comb covered by, uh, most people covered it with tissue paper and buzzed through it. He actually covered it with a newspaper, and a particular newspaper at that. I forget which one it was from New York. Uh, and we heard him start out, Hello Lola, playing a very hot, buzzy chorus. He was a, a, a good jazz singer and uh, played some, some respectable jazz on this homemade instrument. Uh, the beginning of this recording sounds like a skiffle band from the 1950s and 60s in England, the homemade instruments and all that. But this uh, instrumentation on this band called the Mound City Blues Blowers was a uh, had to have some history to it. It's actually called the Mound City Blue Blowers. Sometimes it's referred to as the Blues Blowers. And uh, Mackenzie founded this group with 
uh, a banjo player named Jack Bland and a kazoo player named Dick Slevin, and they started recording in the mid-1920s, 1924. Frank Trumbauer guested with them, uh, Eddie Lang played with them for a while, and they played a very energetic, uh, happy brand of jazz, uh, doing things like Tiger Rag and um, blues and sand and, and so forth. Arkansas Blues was another tune, and they were quite popular. They actually made a, a Vitaphone film appearance around the time of the recording that we just heard. Uh, but this recording session was a little bit different. It was from November 14th of 1929, and it featured, as I said, Red McKenzie on comb and Coleman Hawkins on tenor sax, along with uh, an interesting cast, Glenn Miller on trombone. He had been playing uh, with the Ben Pollock and then the Red Nichols Band and was arranging for Red Nichols at the time. Pee Wee Russell on clarinet. We heard a very... Uh, hot clarinet solo on Hello Lola from him. He was playing with um, the Nichols uh, organizations and also doing dance band work at the time. Eddie Condon was playing banjo. Jack Bland on guitar. Of course, he was from the original Mound City Blue Blowers. Pops Foster, the New Orleans bass player, was slapping uh, his bass forward to the bar uh, on, a, on a brief break from the Louis Russell band that he was playing with at the time. And on drums, we had Gene Krupa, who was, again, with the uh, Red Nichols Band. In fact, I think most of those players had been playing in the pit of, or would be playing in the pit of, I think it was Girl Crazy, the Gershwin show coming up that uh, featured uh, the debut of Ethel Merman and I Got Rhythm. So Hello Lola was a hot jazz tune that featured solos all around, an especially hot one by Coleman Hawkins, two full 32-bar choruses, which was, to that point, his longest feature on records. But it was really the next tune, One Hour, which was a kind of a contraction of the James P. Johnson tune, If I Could Be With You One Hour Tonight, without the melody on it. Uh, it was that tune that really introduced Hawkins as a great ballad player. His really rhapsodic playing, uh, playing through the chord changes rather than the melody, and creating a musical uh, structure on top of this chord progression that was uh, going to be imitated by many uh, saxophone players and, and, and musicians of all uh, instruments coming up. So that, as uh, uh, we have heard, is actually it was actually a kind of a last-minute recording session. The Blue Blowers had a recording date set up for, uh, for Victor. This was uh, for RCA Victor, and apparently somebody canceled out or didn't show up or something like that. So Hawkins remembered later that he'd been up all night and was about to go to bed. And Red McKenzie called him and said, "Can you come right down to the Victor Studios? We're making some recordings." And so he did, and we just heard the results. Hello, Lola, and one hour. So we're going to go to another uh, version of the Mound City Blue Blowers from about oh, a year and a half later, from June 30th of 1931, recording for OK Records. We have, of course, Red McKenzie again on comb. We will get to hear him sing as well. And as I said, his singing was really quite jazzy and quite musical. He had a very uh, rich baritone voice, a whiskey baritone. And with him in this band were uh, two fellows who I believe at the time were playing with the Ted Lewis Orchestra, which had just come back from England, Muggsy Spanier on corn and Jimmy Dorsey on clarinet. We also have Coleman Hawkins on tenor, of course. Jack Russin is on piano. Eddie Condon again on banjo. Jack Bland again on guitar. We have Al Morgan, a New Orleans bass player, another African-American bass player. He also is going to sing on one of the numbers. And Josh Billings on percussion. He actually played uh, a suitcase uh, with um, uh, whisk brooms, and that was his mode of percussioning, although I think he played some more traditional drums occasionally on this one. And he um, was also a member of of the Mount City Blue Blowers and it appeared in that Vitaphone film which was um, called Opry House. It was a sort of a play within a play type of thing. So we're going to hear four tunes from that session. We're going to begin with the Darktown Strutters Ball featuring some very fine clarinet by Jimmy Dorsey. Then we're going to go on to Georgia On My Mind which was the Hoagie Carmichael tune which was brand new at that point featuring one of Hawkins' greatest solos from this period. Then, I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you, in its original version, which was in the minor key. Years later, um, performers started playing it major for some reason, but it's much more effective, I think, in the minor key. And we're going to hear, as I said, um, uh, Al Morgan and Red McKenzie singing that one. Then we're going to finish up with I Can't Believe You're in Love With Me, a slow version of that tune. Usually it's taken a good deal faster, but gives us uh, the ability to hear another great Coleman Hawkins ballad performance. So those are our tunes from the Mound City Blue Blowers, June 30th of 1931. Darktown Strutters Ball, Georgia On My Mind, I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, You Rascal You, and I Can't Believe That You're In Love With Me. 
I'll be down to get you in the taxi, honey. You better be ready about half a dozen. Oh, baby, don't be late. I'm gonna be right there when the band's on playing. Remember when we get there, honey? Two scamps, I'm gonna have that one. And I wear both my shoes when the bread and jelly roll through. But I'm all right at the dog pound's got a sound.
glad when you're dead, you rascal you. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. When you're dead in your grave, no more women shall you face. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. Yeah, I'm gonna really be glad when you're dead too, you rascal you. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. I'll be glad when you're dead, with six feet of earth over your head. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you. Thank you. 
was Coleman Hawkins featured extensively as a sideman. He, uh, as I said, made most of his living with Fletcher Henderson's uh, band from about 1923 until... Uh, the early part, middle part of 1934 when he left for Europe and he spent about five years over there before he returned to the United States and put a big band together and had that hit recording of uh, Body and Soul, which really launched the second part of his career. But occasionally he would be uh, hired to play outside of the Henderson band. It's kind of remarkable that he didn't do more of that, but um, we certainly have some excellent features and some excellent examples of his playing uh, outside of the Henderson stable. And we just heard five tunes uh, by the Mound City Blue Blowers. And we started out, as I said, with... Uh, the uh, Darktown Strutter's Ball. And that was a uh, tune that uh, had been around since about 1914 or 15 or so. That was uh, obviously a, a dance, sort of a minstrel number, but it was embraced by the jazz players as early as about 1916 or 17, even before uh, the original Dixieland Jazz Band recorded. I think Wilbur Sweatman made a recording of this, and it stayed a jazz standard uh, all the way. From there, we went to Hoagie Carmichael's great tune, Georgia On My Mind, which featured uh, a very nice uh, Red McKenzie vocal and also a fantastic Coleman Hawkins solo, showing how he was evolving his ballad, uh, ballad uh, approach even in 1931. We then heard, I'll be glad when you're dead, you rascal you, kind of a, a merry up-tempo number about death and murder, and uh, here featuring the vocal talents of Al Morgan and Red McKenzie. Al Morgan, of course, was the bass player, and he had uh, been from New Orleans. He was a, an excellent bass player after the Pops Foster tradition. We heard his playing on some of the Rhythm Makers' sides on a, uh, a radio show a while back. We heard Jimmy Dorsey featured quite heavily on Darktown Strutter's Ball and uh, also on You Rascal You. We heard him a little bit on I Can't Believe That You're In Love With Me, the fourth tune from that uh, title. And uh, also I should mention that Muggsy Spanier was the cornet player and he and Dorsey had been playing quite uh, regularly with the Ted Lewis Band uh, for a few years. We heard a couple of piano solos by Jack Russon. Uh, I think he was the brother of Babe Russon, the better known tenor sax player who played with Benny Goodman and different people, Tommy Dorsey in the later part of the 30s. And a uh, very interesting little jazz band here with uh, Eddie Condon and Jack Bland on guitar and banjo, Josh Billings on percussion. Really a very uh, hot little group from 1931. And we remember this was sort of the depths of the Depression. Uh, records were not being made all that much. Even a band uh, as popular as Fletcher Henderson's band had been uh, was making recording dates very infrequently from about 1929 to 1932 or so. And uh, to have a really uh, first-rate jazz session here is uh, is a great gift. So that was the Mound City Blue Blowers from June 30th of 1931. From about eight months earlier, we heard a uh, sort of a related group. This was called McKenzie's Mound City Blue Blowers. It was re uh, released under Red McKenzie's name, and this had uh, quite an odd little group. It was originally a, a recording that was never released. It was a tune called Girls Like You Were Meant for Boys Like Me, and it was dug up, I think, a test pressing that was released uh, on the uh, label of the International Association of Jazz Record Collectors, I think in the 80s. And um, this featured not one, but two tenor saxes. We heard Bud Freeman, the great white tenor sax player from Chicago, who at the time, uh, October of 1930, I think was still playing with uh, Ben Pollock, and uh, he was soon to go back to Chicago and then return to New York again and uh, stay there and play in a number of big bands. Uh, he played the lead in the first chorus. The tenor solo later on was by our man Cole Hawkins. We also heard a little bit of Benny Goodman on clarinet peeping in and out of there. Fats Waller was on piano, Eddie Condon on banjo, Josh Billings again on percussion, and Red McKenzie on uh, comb. No vocals on that one. So that was a, a, a sort of a, a lucky strike extra of the Mound City Blue Blowers, but a nice little Coleman Hawkins recording nonetheless. So now we're going to go on to hear three tunes that were recorded by a band called the Chocolate Dandies. The Chocolate Dandies was a kind of a studio name for a jazz group. This was the, uh, the first uh, Chocolate Dandy side. It came out in uh, December of 1930, and it was led by Benny Carter. There were originally five tunes that came out on this and another session, uh, December 4th and December, I think it was, was it the 31st, actually. I think it was New Year's Eve of 1930. The Chocolate Dandies uh, under the direction of Benny Carter. And uh, the two tunes that are probably the better jazz tunes that feature more of the personnel 
our Bugle Call Rag and D Blues. And if you'd like to hear those, I'd direct you to my podcast. I uh, also call the Jazz Focus on Anchor.fm. You can also get it on Spotify and uh, Apple Music. Uh, take a listen to the podcast I did on the great Jimmy Harrison, the trombone player who's featured on this recording date. And I put those two recordings on that podcast. But we're going to listen to the other three, which also feature Coleman Hawkins today. We're going to hear, first of all... Um, the tune called Got Another Sweetie Now, which actually features a vocal by Jimmy Harrison, uh, as well as some fine playing by him and Coleman Hawkins. Then we're going to go to um, uh, Goodbye Blues. Uh, Got Another Sweetie Now is from the December 31st session. Goodbye Blues is from the December 4th session. Uh, This one, Goodbye Blues, features a Benny Carter vocal. Benny Carter was a virtuoso on alto sax and uh, later on picked up trumpet. He plays some clarinet uh, coming up. We'll hear a very fine clarinet player. He was an excellent tenor player, played piano, played trombone occasionally. Um, unfortunately, his singing was not of the caliber of his playing, and he sings on this number, and uh, not not the greatest decision, perhaps, but a very nice Benny Carter solo, and a very nice uh, Coleman Hawkins solo, and a very, very nice Rex Stewart cornet solo. Rex Stewart was playing with the Henderson Band as well. We also hear Jimmy Harrison, Horace Henderson on piano, Benny Jackson on guitar, John Kirby on bass. No uh, drums on this one. And uh, the other uh, date, the one that started, we started out with, we've got another Sweetie Now, we're going to play the third tune from that series. We're going to hear Cloudy Skies. And this features a slightly different band. Instead of Rex Stewart, we have Bobby Stark on trumpet. That's the only real difference. And um, he is featured very well there as well. So... Those are our tunes for the first three, anyway. Got another Sweetie Now, Goodbye Blues, and Cloudy Skies. And after that, we're going to play a couple of numbers that uh, Hawkins uh, guested with, with a band called McKinney's Cotton Pickers. And uh, I'll tell you about those when we get uh, to the next break, and we're going to finish up the program with a couple of other McKinney's Cotton Pickers tunes as well. But they will feature Coleman Hawkins, also Benny Carter. So, Got Another Sweetie Now, Goodbye Blues, Cloudy Skies, and couple of McKinney's Cotton Pickers tunes to be named later.
I've got the blues today In a low-down way I could almost cry Oh, I just can't be gay Cause my gal's gone away And I don't know why I tried so hard to make her stay But she said nay, nay Wish that I could die She done gone her way Never even stopped to say goodbye
have McKinney's Cotton Pickers and a tune called Plain Dirt, which was um, obviously an instrumental. featured Coleman Hawkins at the very end there, but it was really a band tune. McKinney's Cotton Pickers was an African-American band out of Detroit that had been taken over by Don Redmond. Don Redmond left Fletcher Henderson in 1928 or so and went to take over that band. They made quite a few recordings. They featured Redmond's arrangements and his uh, kind of novelty vocals and some very good solos by members of the band. In... Um, uh, November of 1929, Redmond came east to New York with the band and did a couple recording dates for RCA Victor, in which he used some of the members of the McKinney Cotton Pickers, but uh, used some of his uh, erstwhile cohorts in the Henderson Band and other bands in New York as well to fill out the section. So we heard, as I said, Plain Dirt, and that featured Joe Smith, Leonard Davis, and Sidney DeParis on trumpet. I think there was some Sidney DeParis trumpet solo in there. Claude Jones was on trombone. Don Redmond played alto. He uh, didn't sing on that one. He's going to sing on one of the next ones coming up. Benny Carter played alto as well. On tenors, we have Coleman Hawkins and Ted McCord, uh, who was playing with Carter's band at the time. Fats Waller on piano. Dave Wilborn on banjo and Billy Taylor on tuba. Those two were charter members of McKinney's Cotton Pickers uh, and uh, had come east with uh, Redmond. And Kaiser Marshall was on drums. He had played with the Henderson Band for most of the 1920s. So that was uh, called Plain Dirt, and before that we heard three tunes by the Chocolate Dandies. Got another Sweetie Now, as I said, that was featuring a vocal by um, uh, uh, Jimmy Harrison, as well as a trombone solo. Very fine player there, along with Coleman Hawkins and Benny Carter, and Bobby Stark on trumpet, and in the rhythm section, Horace Henderson, Fletcher's brother on piano, Benny Jackson on guitar, and John Kirby on tuba or bass. And before that was a slightly earlier, but three weeks earlier session, the Goodbye Blues, same band except Rex Stewart played cornet instead of uh, Bobby Stark on trumpet. That featured a Benny Carter vocal. And then we ended up with Cloudy Skies from that first session before we went to Plain Dirt, the McKinney's tune. So I want to thank you for being with us today. This has been the Jazz Focus. We are here on WETF, the jazz station in South Bend, Indiana. We've been listening to the music of Coleman Hawkins, uh, recorded as a sideman in 1929, 30, 31, thereabouts, right uh, in a kind of an interesting little uh, pocket of uh, jazz recordings. Uh, most bands were not recording much because of the Depression, but Hawkins was always in demand, and as uh, we've heard today, he recorded in a number of different settings. The big band setting with McKinney's Cotton Pickers, uh, the Mound City Blues Blowers, the Chocolate Dandies, uh, recorded with white and black musicians, and quite a lot of very good jazz. And of course, he was recording with Fletcher Henderson's band as well. One of these days, we're going to do a, a uh, Fletcher Henderson uh, podcast and radio show from this period. So we're going to finish up with two McKinney's Cotton Pickers tunes. These were from uh, the last session. This was a, a multi-day recording session in November of 1929, the 5th, 6th, and 7th, all recorded for RCA Victor, and we're going to hear the two tunes recorded on the 7th. They do feature Coleman Hawkins a little bit more. At some point, uh, I'm going to play some of the other tunes from these sessions because they featured Benny Carter a little bit more, so we'll probably do a uh, corresponding Benny Carter show coming up. So these two tunes are called Peggy, 
And wherever there's a will, there's a way, baby. Wherever there's a will, baby, is the official title, but Don Redmond sings it as wherever there's a will, there's a way. So we're going to hear Coleman Hawkins featured with all those musicians I mentioned before. Some very fine trombone playing by Claude Jones, by the way. He doesn't get a lot of credit as a jazz musician. Usually he was a lead player uh, with different bands, Don Redmond's and uh, Duke Ellington's later on, in fact. He replaced Lawrence Brown when Lawrence Brown left in the late 40s with Duke Ellington. So he was a very, very good technical trombone player. But here we hear some good jazz. But the prime focus is, of course, Coleman Hawkins. And hope you've enjoyed this program. Uh, again, my name is John Clark, and I'll see you next week.
Now, you know the room wasn't built in a day. I wasn't, baby. Although you're someone else's now, I'll get you yet. Yes, that's my vow. Speaking of love, I sure know how, my baby. Love went away for us. You see, baby. And I intend to get you a bus. Yes, I'm ready. Someday you'll be mine, but you know it's going to take time. But wherever there's a will, there's a way, my baby. (laughs) 